Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Bush and Danny coming at you with another Hot Commodities episode. We're starting uh, the first part of, I guess, to be an eight-part series today. Uh, we're going to go division by division, and we're going to give you a bust, a potential league winner, a value, a sleeper, and a bounce-back candidate from each division. So instead of doing a division preview and talking about every fantasy-relevant player like we initially planned on doing, we thought it'd be more fun to kind of give you like our, like superlatives from each division. So Danny, how are you doing today? Doing well, doing well. Yeah, super pumped to get the uh, this series to you guys. Again, this is on Hawk Commodities. And uh, yeah, just kind of breaking down this division. There's a lot of fantasy relevant players in this division, and we can't wait to get going with this. So before we do that, though, hit the intro. Okay. Got to be drinking Bush. Sorry. <laughs> I rate that. So uh, we're going to start off with our busts in, in this division, uh, both of our busts. And uh, they're two guys we've been ringing on all offseason. I mean, you're going to hear Bush's. You're going to hear mine right now. Lucas's boy uh, for my bus is uh, Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, he's going off as the wide receiver 11 currently in ADP. I mean, we've talked about this so many times on the channel, and it's just it's, it's gross that he's a wide receiver one. He's being selected to be your number one wide receiver on your fantasy teams in 2020. When in reality, I mean, again, I'm not going to talk about last year specifically because referring stats from last year isn't great in projecting the year after, but wide receiver 29 last year. And what changed this offseason? Well, they uh, hired Kevin Stefanski to be their new head coach, who actually had the third lowest passer run ratio in 2019 with the Minnesota Vikings as their offense coordinator. And in general, he's surrounded by so much talent the point, I mean, we got Jarvis Land, you got Austin Hooper, you got Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb. Not to mention, I mean, realistically, how many times are we really going to expect Baker Mayfield to throw the ball, uh, especially with all that surrounding talent? Like, so in the end, how much volume is Odell Beckham realistically going to get in this offense to return wide receiver one value? And just the fact that he's going ahead of guys like Adam Thielen and Robert Woods is just insane to me. But what are your thoughts on uh, Odell? Because it's weird. Yeah, I don't want to harp on these guys too long because we have talked about them a lot. Is my thing with Odell is that I'm not denying that he has wide receiver 11 like upside and he, his talent level would dictate him being at wide receiver 11. He's just by far the riskiest receiver in that range. Like, as you mentioned, the, he wasn't good last year. And whether we want to uh, chalk it up to his sports hernia or whatever that he had, that might be true. But it also might not be, which is why he's a bus candidate, right? Because if it's, if it's just chemistry with Baker or the offense or whatever, like the situation surrounding him, yes, if he's 100% healthy and the sports hernia was the cause of everything last year, then yeah, he'll probably return value on the wide receiver 11 price. But to me, that's like a 10% chance of happening. So I'd rather not spend my second round pick on a guy that has like a 10% chance of returning value. So it's just a matter of risk mitigation in the early rounds for me. I, I don't, am I, I'm not going to be shocked if Odell Beckham is like super good next year because he's that good at football. But to me, I just don't want that kind of risk when there's guys going behind him like Adam Thielen, who I literally think has like pretty much zero risk aside from like if he blows out his knee week one or gets COVID-19 and is in yeah. off. Speaking of COVID-19, I mean, I know this is probably not going to be an issue like once the season starts, like in terms of being available. But I mean, Justin Jefferson getting added to their COVID-19 list is huge. Not just like he always oh, going to miss games. That's more so to do with preparation for the season again he's a rookie wide receiver learning a new system slated to be the wide receiver two on that team so though that what 10 days off 
minute like like the at minimum. Yeah, yeah ten to fourteen it, it, days or whatever. Uh, that's gonna that's gonna affect his development process and being ready to produce year one right away. So like that only helps Adam Thielen. And uh, touching back on Odell Beckham, like realistically. In terms of volume, I mean, when you're selecting a risky receiver, you want to at least know that they're going to dominate the market share of their team. I mean, Jarvis Landry has the most catches in in his first six years in NFL history. I mean, this guy is getting over 120 targets, 130 targets per year. So, I mean, I'm not going to say that Jarvis Landry is a better wide receiver than Odell Beckham. That's going to take a large. He might get more. He might get more targets than him. It's very possible. He got more targets than last year. Exactly. So, I mean, projecting Odell forward, like, obviously, I'm not denying, I'm going to say this a lot, I'm not denying the talent. Like, that, that's not the issue here. The issue is actually being able to project his overall value, especially in terms of both risk and overall, uh, I don't want to say upside, because he does have upside, but uh, overall volume to project. So, he's just too risky for me. Stay away from him. Gab guys, like, as I mentioned, Adam Thielen, Robert Woods in that range, and they're much uh, more risk-averse type options. So, that's my bus candidate. For sure, and I won't spend too much time on mine, too. A.J. Green, wide receiver for the Cincinnati Bengals. We talked about him at nauseum. Uh, not only was he not a huge value with wide receiver one upside like last year when everyone wasn't concerned about his injuries, even though doctors, fancy doctors and all that stuff said, hey, his injuries are a huge concern for him because he's dealt with turf toe, he's dealt with these high ankle sprains. And we had Dr. Edwin Porras on the channel um, a couple weeks ago talking about A.J. Green, and he said to stay away from him as well. So... I mean, it's even worse now. Like, he's only older. He's 32 years old. He hasn't played – he's played 10 games since 2017. And in 2017, he was drafted at the back of the first round in fantasy drafts, and he received 143 targets and barely cracked 1,000 yards and had eight touchdowns. In 2017, his efficiency stats, his target separation dipped off dramatically. And as charted by Matt Harmon's reception perception, he basically said – this is what happened the year before Des Bryant and Demarius Thomas fell off. So basically what he predicted was the downfall of AJ Green from a production standpoint, which did statistically happen in 2018. And I know 2018, everyone's like, oh, if he pace his numbers out to a full 16 games, he was like, had 1,200 yards or whatever. But that's the problem with AJ Green is that he can't stay healthy. And he's, he's only older now and he still has more injury concerns. So again, it's honestly just a risk mitigation thing. Is there a 5% chance that AJ Green's a wide receiver one? Probably but I don't want to take that risk in the fifth, sixth round where he's still going and potentially even higher. If you're in a home league where AJ green is a huge name. And if someone's in the fourth round and they don't like, I don't know, Terry McLaurin, cause they don't know who Terry McLaurin is and they see AJ green's name, they might just pick him there. So yeah, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, wow. I mean, Lee, uh, AJ Green was gonna be my league winner. I can't believe he's he's your. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> talking about AJ Green, man, it's just disgusting to me how like people still think he has that upside. He's currently going as the wide receiver 29 in best ball. Like he's probably gonna go higher in uh, season long dreams, season long leagues, especially leading up to uh, the start of the NFL season. I can see him getting in that wide receiver 24, 25 range, which is just gonna absolutely disgust me guys like don't, don't take aj green as a top 30 wide receiver we haven't seen it since 2017 and as Corey mentioned even when he did produce in 2017 he was easily one of the most inefficient wide receivers in the entire league again you mentioned des bryant you mentioned Demarius thomas i saw des bryant's demise with my own eyes as a cowboys fan and it was not pretty i mean yes he had a decent year in 2016 with that uh, 2016 with Dak when he got hurt but realistically Everybody could tell you. I mean, you give a guy volume, he could produce to a certain degree. But at the end of the day here, as uh, as Corey mentioned, with the volume that A.J. Green got in 2017, that just shows to you, like, the deterioration of the player. Yes, when A.J. Green was in his prime, that 2012 to 2015 range, 
he was easily one of the top three, top four receivers in the league. But guys, you don't win your championships looking at past stats. You look at your championships being able to project forward how a player is going to do based off the numbers you have available to you and based off the overall deterioration expected. And we saw the deterioration in terms of his overall decline the last year he played. Not to mention, that was the last year he played, 2017. He played a half a season in 2018 and missed all of last year. So realistically, how is he still being ranked in the top 30 of some people? So I fully agree there. Uh, again, I was just joking with that league winning thing because some people actually have him in that category. But uh, fully, fully agree. Uh, fade AJ Green for 2020 fantasy football. Uh, yeah, and one one thing people are just I just want to add this quickly. One thing people are going to bring up with AJ Green is that his situation improved because he has a better quarterback. One, we don't know Joe Burrow's a better quarterback. We think he is. And two, he has a lot more competition for targets than he's had in his career. Like he has Tyler Boyd, who's like a 140 target guy which he probably won't get to those numbers this year if A.J. Green stays healthy, but he's still going to be involved. John Ross is still a deep threat that can stretch the field. They basically drafted his replacement, T. Higgins. So, I mean, like, A.J. Green, yes, if he stays healthy and he's the same A.J. Green, could be a league winner. But there's, like, a very minimal chance of that happening. I think the latter of him kind of busting and not being a very relevant receiver anymore and getting injured and being banged up is more likely to happen because we've seen that the past couple of years. And, I mean – yeah, current events form future trends usually. So uh, into the potential league winners, I'll get into mine real quick. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster. And I know we often associate um, potential league winners with late round guys, but I think it can also apply to mid-tier guys as well. You saw guys like Aaron Jones, um, Todd Gurley a few years ago, Juju Smith-Schuster a few, a few years ago. These guys that are going third, fourth, fifth round, they're going there for a reason because they have some concerns, but usually those guys are the like last of the tiers that have like top five upside. Uh, except for a few exceptions late in the draft that are usually because of injury. But on top of losing his quarterback in 2019, Juju also dealt with a toe sprain, a concussion, and a knee sprain. We, we've basically dismissed Alvin Kamara's 2019 season because of a, a high ankle sprain. Same goes for Saquon Barkley. Well, no one is really doing that with Juju Smith-Schuster. No one's saying, well, he was injured and Big Ben was injured. Like We're kind of just like writing Juju Smith-Schuster off, which I don't know why we're doing that because he basically, at his age – is one of the most historically productive receivers in NFL history. So uh, what are your thoughts on Juju? Uh, talking about Juju, again, I kind of I mentioned uh, in the past on past videos as well. I mean, he's one of the most talented receivers in the NFL. We saw the last time him and Ben were fully healthy. I mean, 2017 or 2018, he really showed up as a first and second year receiver, especially a guy coming out of the second round. He produced right away. I mean, he was basically Chris Godwin. If, if you want to make it, I mean, a guy who flashed in the past and uh, took that next step up. He took that step up two years ago while Godwin was ultimately able to do it last year. And people are going to let one bad season with Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph really affect their opinion on him. I mean, to me, he's still that the player who's capable of giving you that top 10 overall value. And as you mentioned, you're going to be able to have him at a huge discount because he had that bad year. So overall, I mean, I do expect this uh, Steelers offense to be back to normal. I mean, I mentioned before, you're going to hear a couple of my guys later on uh, for my uh, value and sleeper. But you mentioned uh, I am a believer of Ben Roethlisberger. I think if he is healthy, he's going to throw the ball around like 550, 600 times. And who's his number one receiver? As much as I love Deontay Johnson, it is still Juju Smith-Schuster, especially if he's able to work in the slot. We saw he's one of the most efficient slot receivers in the NFL when Ben was healthy. So I do think that he ultimately returns to that uh, top 15 at the minimum and ultimately top eight, top six overall type upside if he's able to fully establish himself again. But uh, people are going to let him fall due to risk. 
scoop him up because he's got the upside to really pay off, especially where he's going right now. Yeah, in the 11 games he played without Big Ben last year, he saw a reception drop-off from 5.7 to 3.64, target drop-off from 8.37 to 6, yardage drop-off from 77.3 to 48.5, and he has saw a slight drop-off in touchdowns as well. So, like, we've seen his ceiling before. We know what his ceiling is. He had 166 targets, 111 catches, 1,426 yards, and seven touchdowns in 2018. And he had Antonio Brown on his team. And, yes, Antonio Brown took away the number one corner, but he also took away, like, a 30% target share. And a 31.2% red zone share from Juju Smith-Schuster is also what we saw in 2018. And, again, he had Antonio Brown at 15 touchdowns in 2018. So he he basically – his upside is basically what we're projecting for Devontae Adams. He could be a huge target hog. He could be crazy touchdown upside because we've seen the red zone production that uh, Big Ben is, has definitely shown the propensity to look his way, too. So, I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster could be back in that top five uh, receiver realm if he has another bounce-back season this year. For sure. I mean, exactly. Uh, I, as I was mentioning, too, we saw what Chris Godwin was able to do this year. Uh, that was basically Juju Smith-Schuster two years ago. Only mm-hmm. people are forgetting that because he had one bad year. So, I mean, overall, like, he's probably going to be had in, like, the third, fourth round now because of that struggle. Like, if he's there available for you, like, I, I'd take him there easily because, as you mentioned, like, he's got the uh, the ideal both talent and opportunity to develop into that top five receiver yet again. So, really like that pick as a potential league winner. Now, I'm kind of going uh, down the board a little bit more, a little bit deeper in ADP. Uh, I'm going to be talking about Marquise Brown, the wide receiver from the Baltimore Ravens. He's currently be sele- being selected as the wide receiver 28 ADP in best ball. So, ultimately, I do think uh, his ADP in season long may be a little bit lower because people are more – uh, intrigued by him in the best ball because he may be a, a little volatile in terms of his range of outcomes. But for me, I mean, I'm all in there. If I'm able to get him where he's currently going around that wide receiver 28, 29 uh, range with the type of upside he has, I'll take him there 100% because then, again, I've mentioned multiple times, I'm in it to win leagues. I'm not in it for third, fourth place. While he may be a little bit risky because we haven't seen him be that 1,000-yard, 10-touchdown receiver, I ultimately believe the upside is even even more than that, to be quite honest. So let's break down Marquise Brown. So, I mean, we know what he was able to do as a rookie. He produced uh, 584 receiving yards and seven receiving touchdowns in 14 games, games that were hobbled up, games that he was dealing with his list rank injury, which ultimately is putting a screw in your freaking foot. So if you don't think that affects a, a, slight, a slight fast receiver, like, I don't know what to tell you. But overall, I mean, uh, despite that injury, the clear splits for him between playing uh, a top – uh, top half ranked defense versus a bottom half ranked defense was evident. I know you mentioned it in the strength of schedule, but uh, just to just to kind of brief it over, he uh, produced 12.9 PPR points per game in in games that he played uh, against bottom half pass defenses versus 8.62 when he played against top half pass uh, defenses. But his schedule for 2020, 12 of his 16 games are against teams that were ranked in the bottom half of the league in past defense efficiency last year, according to Sharp Football Stats. So realistically here, as, as I'm mentioning, uh, we expect another step up for Lamar Jackson in the passing game. Obviously, we know how good Mark Andrews is, but realistically, who's going to be that second target in the offense, number one wide receiver uh, target for them? And as I mentioned, that list rank injury, Dr. Edwin Porras, we had him on. It's a non-issue for him in 2020. If Marquise Brown is able to step in, full go week one. I do expect him to have that ultimately ultimate top 15 type upside at the wide receiver position. And if you're getting a top 15 wide receiver at the wide receiver 28 overall in ADP, I mean, that's just going to be a league winner for you because you're basically getting a free wide receiver too. 
So those are my thoughts on Marquise Brown. I do think even wider top 15 is playing it safe because realistically, if he's able to hit for the MVP in a top five offense in the entire NFL, I mean, he's legitimately got top 10 upside. So uh, what are your thoughts on Marquise Brown? Yeah, any game that he wasn't on a pitch count, so he played like 60% of the snaps or more, he had eight targets per game. Like that's a that's like 130 target pace on the season. I don't think he's going to get that many targets in that kind of offense, but 110, 120 targets in an offense where he's the the play action field stretcher, like that's going to be a lot of big plays. And I could definitely see like a 60 catch, uh, 1100 yard and eight touchdown output for like a top 15 season from uh, Hollywood Brown. And that's definitely going to be, at least like very good flex value for you. If like you're picking on like, I mean, sixth, seventh round, I, I think is where he's going yep. and you're going to get him as your third or fourth receiver. Like, yeah, sign me up all day. Cause he, he definitely has the upside in the offense that he plays in. For sure. I mean, wide receiver 28 in the best ball is currently a mid wide receiver three. I'm assuming that's going to be lower in a non best ball format as well. Like if you're getting him as your wide receiver three top flex play with that much upside on an offense, that's absolutely going to be wrecking teams down the field. I mean, let's be honest here. We know that the Ravens are a run dominant type team. I mean, number one in run, run the pass play, but realistically there's enough volume to go around between him and Mark Andrews to the point where when Lamar Jackson, as you mentioned, when he's, when he's working the play action game, Defenses got to respect him, got to respect J.K. Dobbins, got to respect Mark Ingram to the point that there's going to be so much space deep for a guy like Marquise Brown, a guy with legitimate 4-3 type speed, that ultimately he doesn't need 150, 160 targets to be able to return on value. Because realistically, as you mentioned, 120 targets, that guy is legitimately going to be close to 20 yards per reception. Like that's how... Uh, much much of a dynamic talent he is on the outside. So, I mean, if he's able to hit, man, like you got yourself such a value. So, uh, yeah, talking about uh, next on, on the docket, we're actually going to be going with the values of our draft. So, guys that we think are the best values. And to start it off, uh, I kind of mentioned uh, – Actually, can the- I start it off since oh. we were just talking about the Ravens? I got a Ravens guy here. Go for it. All right, so to compliment Hollywood Brown, I got Mark Ingram. And I'll go quick on this one because I have, I have talked about him in the past in the strength of schedule one if you want to see uh, the, a full argument on him. But I think fantasy draft advice from, from us or from anyone should prepare you for the beginning of the season. And the beginning of the season, Mark Ingram is going to be a top five running back. And why do I say that? Because you already mentioned the strength of schedule for the Ravens is incredible for the run and the pass. And from there, you make adjustments. You, you add people on the waiver wire. You trade Mark Ingram. You trade other players. Whatever you got to do. His schedule makes him a big-time target of mine in the, if he's going to continue to go in the early fifth-ish because I know for casual players especially, when you see how well he performs, and, and they'll overpay for him. If, he, if he's oh, like RB5 in the first four weeks of the season, and Aaron Jones, for example, who has kind of a bit of a harder uh, strength of schedule to start the season, is like RB21 or something, you'll be able to flip him easily even though the outlook for Ingram throughout the whole season is a little dicey because J.K. Dobbins is there and Aaron Jones should be all right, even though A.J. Dillon's there. He should be in a bounce-back situation. But I think if he's your third or fourth running back or a flex spot or whatever you got to do with him, he's going to return value for the beginning of the season. And if you want to flip him for Clyde Edwards-Solaire, you want to flip him for Jonathan Taylor, you want to do whatever, I think he's a great value where he's going especially if you play the, the, the early season game, because I think that's the smart way to do it. You don't want to be drafting players, assuming you're just going to win. Like they're going to play all 16 weeks of your season. Cause the reality is, especially if you're in a league like mine, people trade, I trade, other people trade. You're going to have busts. You're going to have waiver wire pickups that end up being starters for you. Shit happens. You want to give yourself the best chance to win early on because those games matter. 
because you need to get to the championship to win the championship. For sure. I mean, you're mentioning like type of trades that you can do, especially if Ingram comes off to a hot, hot start. Realistically, people are going to be driving the narrative early on. So are we. Uh, rookie running backs are going to start to begin the, uh, begin the season. Rookie receivers, all rookies in, t- in general, to be quite honest, are going to struggle at the start of the season simply put because this offseason is going to affect their learning process so much. If you're able to flip like Ingram for like, let's say DeAndre Swift in a bad I think you're going to be able to like, flip him for Clyde Edwards-Solaire, like dead ass. I think you're going to be able to do that. Which is just insanity because at yeah. the end of the day, like we like Ingram, but if you're able to get Clyde Edwards-Solaire a month into the season, I mean, there's no way in heck you're not taking that. Like Damon Williams is going to start off first three or four games. He's going to yeah. have like 15 touches per game. Clyde Edwards may, may only have like 10 to 12 and people are going to like, oh my God. Damian Williams is the back to own his backfield, yada, yada, yada. You're like, oh, okay, you believe that? I'll give you Mark Ingram straight up for Clyde edwards Slater. We saw what Mark Ingram's going to be able to do. People are going to be so enamored by that because ultimately a lot of casual players just look for safety. They don't look for like, oh, this guy's got this schedule coming up. He should have a lot more upside than this guy. At the end of the day, especially if they're struggling, they're going to look at the guy who's put up points on the stat sheet that, uh, because ultimately they just think that's going to happen for the whole season. So, I mean, as Corey mentioned, I mean, the value of Ingram currently in the fifth round as even a, a sell high a month into the season is going to give you a lot of benefit for the long-term season. So really like that pick. Uh, another running back from the division, I was kind of segueing into the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, mantra, but uh, you mentioned Juju Smith-Schuster, and I was kind of mentioning how the offense can be humming with Ben. I actually got James Conner, the running back from the Pittsburgh Steelers. So he's currently going off the board as the RB21. Uh, I have him ranked at my 17, and that's even including the risk. But uh, at this point, we we all kind of know the risks involved with taking James Conner in fantasy football. I mean, the injuries kind of have kept him from uh, continuing his value as a top 10 overall running back. And in 2018, we all know his breakout season, Le'Veon Bell held out. Uh, he was on fire with 21.85 PPR points per game clip and an RB7 pace on that season. So going over uh, James Conner, we kind of know the story. He had that season kind of disappointed as a high draft pick last year. Now people want to let him slip to the RB21. And I'm here to tell you, I mean, if he's if you're able to get him at that point, like he's such a value in your fantasy drafts. I mean, breaking down the stats last year, we know he missed six games. In the 10 games he played, seven of them were with 50 or more, uh, 50% or more snaps, which I'm assuming the other three games he was playing hobbled up because he did suffer that AC joint sprain that ultimately hobbled his season. But in those games where he played 50 point, uh, 50% of snaps or more snaps, he held a PPR points per game pace of uh, 17.6 PPR points per game, which would have been the RB9 overall on the season. 17.7 touches per game in that time span. And that's without Ben Roethlisberger. So ultimately here with Ben back, this offense should be humming, hooing, as we mentioned. And uh, this is a guy who he has upside in the receiving game. He's going to have a lot of touches, as I mentioned, 17.7 touches per game, even without Ben. And he's got so much uh, upside on both the goal line and in the touchdown department. 13 scores in 13 games when Ben was healthy. I mean, his current value of RB21 is a steal at this point. So, yeah, so with the opportunity to ultimately uh, score the amount of touchdowns that he did in 2018, we saw last year he was still able to give you a little bit of a touchdown baseline, even without his starting quarterback in the lineup. Again, uh, this negative stigma around James Conner ultimately as uh, a top fantasy asset is largely due to the injuries. But as the RB21, I mean, that fa- that injury factor is totally baked in. And if you're able to get him, even as you're like your RB3 in like the, the late fourth round, like I, I'm fine taking him in the fourth round with that injury risk because ultimately if he was fully healthy, he would be a tail end uh, first round pick. Realistically, maybe uh, mid, like 
high second. So uh, what are your thoughts on James Conner? Yeah, when we had Edwin Porras on, he basically said James Conner is a little more susceptible to like kind of nagging injuries based on his like the fact that he had cancer and stuff like that. Yeah. And the COVID situation kind of worries me with him because if he were to get COVID, it'd be a little concerning uh, given his like health history. But yeah, James Conner, I mean, if he's going to play in the season, I think I'm assuming he's going to take precautions. And I think in the fourth round, that's probably the earliest I would pick him though. If he's a third round pick, I'm probably out yeah. on him. But yes, fourth round, if he's your third running back, I don't hate it because like you said, the Steelers will give the workload to James Conner when he's on the field. They've proven it time and time again. He's a workhorse back when he is on the field. So I'll take, I'll definitely take James Conner all day at the value that he's going. But if he gets a little bit more expensive than that, I'm probably out on him. Yeah. I mean, I'm just like looking at the type of backs that are going in front of him, like the Todd Gurley's of the world, the David Johnson's Le'Veon Bell's. And to me, it's like, if you're going to take one of those guys for quote unquote safety, like I would much rather get a guy in James Conner who has shown that the only thing keeping him from being the top 10 back is the health. Again, that's totally baked in. I'm not going to take him higher than uh, the fourth round, most likely simply because of that risk management. Like if I, I would much prefer him as my RB three, which would probably be the way I'd build my team anyways, as I kind of avoid the receiver position in the first two rounds or so. Uh, like it, again, if I go RB RB and he's there in the mid fourth or so, like I'm taking him there a hundred percent of the time, ultimately giving him the value. And uh, I'll, I'm going to mention with my sleeper, it kind of tails into James Conner and overall the Pittsburgh running, uh, running back situation. So I'll go into my, I'll go into my sleeper. So my sleeper and this one, I almost made it my potential league winner as well. Cause like he kind of fits the description for both, but Joe Burrow is my sleeper. And I mentioned this, this past Monday on uh, our quarterback and tight end uh, strength and schedule. Uh, Joe Burrow walks into a situation with a great schedule it, that was top five in, in the NFL in pass attempts, the 616 last year. A slew of pass catching options. Although we might not like AJ Green's fantasy value, we definitely like him for what he does for Joe Burrow. And uh, the rest of the guys there as well definitely help. As a player, he has a lot of experience, which helps him in this COVID shortened year and all that stuff. And the fact that he's, he's the week one starter. So all of his experience in college, he's an older prospect and all that stuff, will definitely help him make the transition a little easier. And he proved he has a tremendous ceiling. I mean, he had the best college football season of all time. Deshaun Watson and Daniel Jones uh, showed in their rookie years that they have those big ceiling games in their arsenal. Daniel Jones had four games of over 25-plus points. Deshaun Watson played, I believe it was like seven or eight games his rookie season. He had like three or four games where he was like a 40-plus point or like a 35-point like, a like output against the Seahawks. I remember that game. It, dude, that, that Watson in 2017 was freaking insane. I still yeah, remember exactly. like he legitimately like he was like the most exciting player to watch in all of football because like he either, he either threw like a boneheaded interception or he absolutely just shredded a defense for like 400 yards. I, I think he had like 19... I think he had like 19 touchdowns and like eight interceptions in like half a season. That's yeah. Like legitimately like seven games, as you mentioned, right? So, yeah. And as I mentioned with his schedule, six of his first eight opponents are like considered favorable matchups, meaning they're like uh, bottom 16 pass defenses in the league. And the, the two that aren't are the Eagles and Ravens. And the Ravens are a divisional matchup. So, and they're a great offense. So, they might force them to throw a lot. And then the Eagles, also a pretty good offense. It should force them to throw a lot. I think just like the first eight games that he has, they have the potential for a lot of fantasy um, output and people under underrate Joe Burrow's legs. He can run, he can run as much as Daniel Jones and Josh Allen and all these guys that we say like have like great rushing upside, but we don't talk about it with Joe Burrow. 
I, I think Joe Burrow could be a top 12 quarterback his rookie year that no one's talking about. Yeah, I fully agree. I mean, he is like, this going to sound great. He's like, he's not cocky, but he's like the most confident quarterback I've seen come into like the league in a while. Like just stepping yeah. up. I mean, the, like the, the leadership he has, the confidence he has in his own ability. I mean, we saw it's just like some type of swagger that he really carries. And people are going to be worried about like, oh, he's going from like the LSU passing game, the, the offense in general, like with all those weapons to a Bengals team who, uh, again, as we mentioned, were the worst team in the league last year, uh, struggled offensively. But man, he's, he, I don't think he'll have a problem really acclimating himself in the NFL. I mean, just when veteran players see him walk into the locker room, be a leader of men, and ultimately in general, just be able to like step up to the pressure like he did last year. Like he's just the guy that you really want to play for and that ultimate leader. So, I mean, we've mentioned multiple times in terms of playmaking ability, he's got legs. So uh, we've mentioned like, we, we kind of liken him to like a mixture, kind of like a Tony Romo, Deshaun Watson type where no matter the situation, he'll find a way to make the play. And in general, like we mentioned that receiving core, T Higgins, uh, they drafted John Ross, AJ Green, Tyler Boyd, CJ Uzama. We kind of like a tight end with a little upside. And then uh, a running back to really help him uh, with the pressure. I mean, we expect Joe Mixon to take the, uh, the jump in the receiving game. And Gio Bernard, when he's on the field, is one of the best receiving backs in the league. So there's plenty of support around there for Joe Burrow to ultimately be, as you mentioned, that top 12 option at the quarterback position. So I really like the pick. If you hadn't gone with Burrow, I most likely would have taken him as my sleeper as well. So uh, definitely like uh, the potential that he actually holds for the 2020 season, even as a rookie. So uh, my sleeper is actually going to be uh, his nemesis in the Pittsburgh Steelers. We know the big rivalry between the Bengals and Steelers, especially in the mid 2010s, like those things were bloodbaths, but I'm going to go with uh, another running back on the team. Oh, yeah, I'm going to go with another running back in the Steelers. I mentioned James Conner as my value, but uh, the sleeper pick kind of tones into uh, why James Conner's a value, the injury concerns. Because I mentioned, I mean, when James Conner's on the field, the Pittsburgh running game in general is just so fluid and so exceptional that my sleeper and Anthony McFarland Jr. going off as the RB60 in ADP is ultimately when it's all said and done. If James Conner were to ever mix games, I do believe Anthony McFarland could step in and lead that backfield because I think in terms of both talent, receiving ability, and overall scheme fit, that he's ultimately going to be a good option for them. So talking about McFarland, uh, he uh, what's it called? Sorry, he was selected in the fourth round. Sorry about that of the 2020 NFL Draft, and right away I think he's a, he's he's just going to make uh, Jalen Samuels basically obsolete. I mean, I, I don't think that Jalen Samuels would have gotten cut had the COVID thing not happened. I agree. I mean, realistically, I think the only reason he's on the team is because, of that, as I've mentioned multiple times, rookies need to get acclimated on their offense. So maybe they're just holding him for the insurance. As a player, I mean, it's not even a comparison. Like, Anthony McFarlane is so much better of a player than any of the running backs the Steelers have in the backfield. I can see Benny Snell kind of being like, if anything happened to McConnor, uh, being like that between the tackles kind of thumper. Yeah, he'll take the dirty work away yeah. from McFarlane. So, I think the way I, I've mentioned this a couple times before, too, is the way the Steelers have built their backfield is that if one goes down, the other can step in. But I think the only way that I, I think James Connor is the only one that's a workhorse. Like if he's on the field, I think if Connor goes down, it's going to be a mixture of McFarlane and, and Snell. But if you look at the Dolphins situation with Jordan Howard and, and Matt Breida, I think it's like, like kind of similar to that, except McFarlane is much better than Snell and like uh, Jordan Howard's much better than Snell. So like, the, the grinder role won't be as valuable. I think McFarland would get the lion's share of the, of the like, ex, like good work, like the receiving work and like the, 
goal line stuff and all that stuff if if he were to miss time james connor that is fully agree and at this point why he's a sleeper the rb60 off the board you're basically getting him free in drafts and especially if you own connor if you're taking connor as i mentioned as the value in the fourth round i mean it does not hurt whatsoever to take a guy like mcfarlane like the 12th 13th round before you freaking you're still in kicker leagues defensive leagues you're right before you take those you're freaking or if you take those i wouldn't even take those to be quite honest but uh you're getting McFarlane in that range. I mean, he's going to be a steal at that value because typically, uh, if anything, as I mentioned, we're to happen to Connor. He's been volatile in his career. McFarlane's got the talent to be able, as you mentioned, uh, be that top talent out of that backfield and ultimately uh, get that work, especially in the receiving game. So I really like what you uh, what McFarlane is going to be able to offer you. If you guys have any doubts on how McFarlane is as a player, just tune into his 2018 film versus the Ohio State Buckeyes, my arch nemesis as a Michigan fan, and he literally was un- unstoppable that game. I mean, I don't know. You want you want to see some fun plays? Go watch that. But uh, he's yeah, definitely a sleeper. watches Big Ten football, though, so it's all right. I do. Um, <laughs> either way, let's get into the bounce-back candidates. And, I mean, we I didn't want to go with Juju Smith-Schuster because he's just such a lazy bounce-back pick because he's like Thanks. everyone's bounce-back pick. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, Yeah, I know you went with him. So I went with his quarterback instead. So it was just a myriad of terrible quarterback play at Pittsburgh last year. And future Hall of Famer, Big Ben Roethlisberger, returning from Tommy John's surgery, is obviously going to fix that. Anytime Big Ben has been on the field, he's been a top 12 fantasy quarterback. I've said it a million times. Over the last three seasons, Big Ben has averaged 23 fantasy points per game, 39 pass attempts per game almost two touchdowns per game, 7.62 yards per attempt, and almost 300 yards per game. Those numbers will likely see a bit of a decrease like his career, like the last three years because he's older, obviously, so he's probably not as good. And the state of the Steelers' defense. The Steelers have one of the best defenses in the league. Oh, yes. Compared to 2016 and 2018, it's not even close. Like Their, their defense is so much better than it was those uh, three years. And Antonio Brown isn't there anymore, which is also a little bit of a difference as well. So – he should be, at the very least, a very streamable quarterback in 2020, in my opinion. Big Ben has a, a, a solid chance of being the top 12 quarterback he's always been. But at the very least, he's going to be a very streamable option at quarterback. And I think if you're in a super flex league, he is the perfect quarterback too. He is yeah. the exact – like if you get, I don't know, Carson Wentz or like uh, Daniel Jones or um, Gardner Minshew, like whoever, like Matt Ryan, Tom Brady, like any guys, th- those are just like kind of my like – quarterbacks like eight through 12 um if you get any of those guys and you get big ben as your second quarterback you're going to be set for the whole season and then you'll get like their cars you're like third quarterback or whatever for sure i mean i i've said it multiple times i was the first one who brought up ben on the channel like when tyler was like dissing him and lucas like okay whatever like ben when he's healthy has always been a high volume guy yeah maybe the volume may not be where it was in that like stretch where he was just absolutely slinging the ball like 40 50 times basically per game like I still remember there was literally seasons where this guy was like throwing like 35 touchdowns like 15 you're like 670 pass attempts in 2018 like he just didn't give a fuck he's like okay whatever whoever catches it whether it's Antonio Brown Juju Smith-Schuster a cornerback I don't give a fuck Go, go, yeah. go, go play catch but uh I don't think it's ultimately going to be at that level because I was just like insanity but uh you're getting a guy who has shown that he is a legitimate quarterback one fringe quarterback one at the minimum and you're going to get him at a discount because obviously injury is concerning a lot of the fans community but as Corey mentioned if he's able to be your quarterback two in a super flex you can get a safer option maybe like 
before anybody catches up on Garner Minshew, you can get Garner Minshew as your three. You can get a guy like, or when people do catch up on him, you get Teddy Bridgewater, Derek Carr type. As your quarterback three, uh, ultimately a little bit more safety because of the concerns with Ben. That's going to be an optimal, an optimal play for you, especially in Superflex League. So I really like the value on Ben as a bounce back candidate. And uh, my bounce back, Corey kind of mentioned it. It is lazy, I will say, but ultimately, like I could have went with like a David and Joku type. Could have went with like Eric Ebron, but Eric Ebron's ADP is already like higher. Like it's basically where I already have him valued. So I just went with Juju because simply put, uh, yeah. And I was also going to go with Ben, but Corey got that. But <laughs> mentioning Juju, I mean, you covered everything I was basically going to talk about in your league winner argument. But as you mentioned, I mean, when he is healthy and when Ben is healthy. Juju, as I mentioned, was legitimately Chris Godwin the year before Chris Godwin broke out. But everybody wants to forget how good Juju Smith-Schuster is because he had one year off with Big Ben out of the lineup. Like, to me here, I mean, we I mentioned it. Fucking Duck Hodges, Mason Rudolph. If anybody actually thinks that they're even remotely average, mediocre-type quarterbacks, like, they're, they're, they're awful. They're, they're, just playing, they're playing awful. They're the worst backup quarterbacks in the league. Not even start the worst backup sport. Like they're the, like they're horrible quarterbacks. They can't sustain anything. The only I have no idea how Deontay Johnson did what he did with those guys. But I he still did. don't that's either. Why, that's why he's a sleeper. And we didn't really talk about him in this episode, but he is definitely a sleeper. Oh, I've talked division. about him so many times on other episodes. You guys already know how much I believe he's a sleeper. It, it's just it's insane. Think of it from this type of context, right? The Steelers have a great offensive line. When James Conner's healthy, he's a really good running back. Their receiving core is really good. I mean, we talked about Juju. We talked about Deontay Johnson. We talked about uh, – we haven't even mentioned, like, James, James Washington. They have that type of core with the number one defense in the league, and that team didn't make the playoffs. Why? Because the quarterback play was so putrid. I mean, I didn't even mention that Mike Tomlin, top five coach in the league, is still coaching them as well. Like, their quarterback situation realistically could have been just average, you know, settle the game. If they had Andy Dalton, they would have won 11 games. Easily. Easily. Like that team is like, I would be surprised if that team didn't, didn't win 11 plus games next year. I think that that Steelers team is going to be really good. Yeah, I and, and ultimately if the Steelers team is going to be really good, if big Ben's going to be back, if he's going to be slinging the ball, as you mentioned, as your bounce back, the guy who's going to be getting the majority of the work as a wide receiver one in that slot is going to be Juju Smith-Schuster. So as a league winner, as a bounce back, no matter how we want to classify him, because either works, he is going to be really good in fantasy football for the 2020 season. So I mean, we, we talked about the AFC North. I mean, as we mentioned, this hot commodities, uh, the next few few weeks or so, we're actually going to be going, well, next eight weeks, we're actually going to be going division by division, picking these type of players for you guys. But hopefully you guys enjoyed this. I mean, we really had fun kind of breaking down the division as a whole. I mean, obviously we can go in from an NFL perspective, make our rankings, make our sleepers values, but actually like specific, uh, specifically making it per division kind of adds a little bit more of like, uh, a fun feel to it because while we're breaking down the division, we're actually talking about guys we really love or hate as Odell Beckham and AJ Green and fantasy football. But what are your closing thoughts on these guys, Corey? Uh, no, I think this might be one of the best divisions in football. It might like, I, if you told me that there's not a team in this division that has less than six wins, it wouldn't shock me. I've said this on a couple occasions. I think the Bengals could be a decent team, like in real life NFL, because they added a lot to their defense and it looks kind of decent on paper. Same with the Browns. They're the, they're the bounce-back candidate of, of every team. 2019 the, Super Bowl champs, right? As you mentioned, you could see them winning 11 games. I could too. The Ravens might not lose a game. Like, they're such a good team. I like I, – they're so good. I don't even understand how good this division is. Like, this division could be the best in football next year. You, you, I found something that was absolutely, like, fucked up. 
Uh, on on Twitter, I saw the Ravens have like the third lowest payroll to their offense, and their offense just finished number one in points per game in the league last year. Yeah. Third lowest payroll. I mean, part of that's because their quarterbacks on a rookie contract, yeah. but like still, yeah, no, it's and I mean, the both their starting tackles are on a rookie contract too, so that helps. But yeah, and I mean, like we we didn't even mention their defense. Obviously, we're not going to talk too much about it because it's fantasy football. But just Ravens as a team are going to be so good. They went from a top. Well, let's cover the defenses. If you're uh, looking at you know, fantasy defense in this in these divisions, it's the Ravens and the Steelers. Easily, Bengals are a very deep sleeper because I think again, like I said, I think they added a lot to their defense. But I mean, I wouldn't really fuck with the Browns defense too much because yeah, they have no linebackers. I could start a linebacker on that team. Yeah, no, literally. All right, <laughs> so let's get out of here. Um, All right. If you guys enjoyed this video, if you got some value from it, make sure you hit the like button down below. Comment down below any um, superlatives from this division that you like. If anyone's a sleeper, bust, whatever. Um, also, subscribe to the channel. Make sure you guys hit the bell icon. We are posting videos all the time. And uh, join the Discord in the description. Make sure you cop the draft guide. It's only $5. Definitely worth your money. This type of uh, content is definitely in there once Danny actually writes his articles. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Without further ado, guys, take it easy and enjoy your Thursday. Yeah, peace out, y'all.